Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Hope Sebastian Taylor. Thank you and welcome once again, my friends, to the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and the sizzle of Rizzle, just for those who may want to check me out on there, I am pretty amazing. Welcome to AWSM Radio, an independent digital-only radio station that plays today's best music, old-school classics, along with a rotating cast of all-star DJs. AWSM Radio focuses on mainstream artists, independent artists, along with a variety of interesting talk and music shows throughout the day, all we do is entertain, inspire, and inform. And I want to engage with you, my friends, and have you be part of the conversation. So, find me on the Twitter, the Rizzle, the Instagram, the Cameo, at Colt S. Taylor. And if you haven't already, bookmark ColtSebastianTaylor.com for all of my fantastic and fabulous updates throughout the month. All right, folks, let's get started with this week's Saturday Report. First up this week, it's time for my final Olympics update. The 2020 Olympics held in 2021 in Japan due to the uh, COVID-19 outbreak pandemic last year caused a one-year delay. First time since uh, World War II since there was any sort of delay in the Olympic Games and whatnot. But fortunately, they were able to get in. Uh, the final medal count, uh, the United States end up with the most gold medals this year with 39 and the most overall medals at 113. China came in uh, second with 38. Japan, the host, company, 20, host, host country, 27. Great Britain, 22. The Russians competing not as Russia, but sort of kind of Russia team, 20. Australia had 17. And the Netherlands, France, Germany, and Italy all had 10 medals each. Um, there were no more additional uh, podium sweeps, as it were. Uh, just Switzerland and Jamaica last week. Uh, they're uh, both, but do note, there were both women's events. Women's cross-country mountain biking and women's 100 meters were all swept by those countries, respectively. It's a, somewhat of a rare feat. Uh, going to India, India, Ended up uh, with one gold medal, two silver, and four bronze. And uh, a very impressive gold medal, uh, men's javelin, Nerja Korpra, uh, won India's first ever gold medal in athletics. And the second individual gold medal since uh, 2008, when it won its first. Uh, it was also India's first athletics medal. Uh, since appearing in the Olympics as an independent nation in 1948, third overall uh, in the year 1900, uh, India's uh, Norman Pritchard won a silver medal. And then they took a, a few cycles off and came back in 1920. Um, and then uh, India's first ever silver in women's weightlifting by uh, Sakhom Marie Chanu. Congratulations. Uh, becoming the first Indian Olympic medalist in the sport weightlifting sport since 2000. P.V. Sandhu won a bronze in women's badminton. Uh, the first female athlete and second Indian to win two consecutive Olympic medals, which is quite a feat. Uh, she won the silver medal in 2016. And then the men's national field hockey team won a bronze medal, their first Olympic medal since 1980. Pretty impressive. 
impressive. Very, very impressive. And then finally, uh, just as a note, uh, according to the article here, uh, the men's 4x4 400 relay team set a new record from an Asian country at 3 minutes and a quarter second. Uh, and then uh, Adi Astok in women's golf and the Pika Punya in men's freestyle wrestling both placed fourth, as did the women's national field hockey team, uh, which is uh, all were the best performances by folks, by athletes from India in those respective sports. So uh, congratulations to all of my uh, fans over there in India who are following the Olympics. A very, very impressive uh, showing there from India. Uh, hits a lot of milestones, made a lot of accomplishments uh, in the Olympic Games. So congratulations. Um, so the Olympics are now done. The next Summer Olympics will be in 2024 in Wee Paris, Paris, France. Uh, I can only assume that AWSM Radio will, will, will fly me over there for on-the-ground correspondence by 2024 because I'm, I'm saying probably within months they'll be offering me a multi-million dollar deal. I think that's how online radio works, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty soon to be crazy online radio rich. Oh, it's going to be so great. I'll probably have like an assistant who does nothing but brings me jelly beans. I like, I like the lemon ones. Just, just in case anyone is curious. Anyways, that is my final Summer Olympics update. Next up, we go to sports, specifically baseball and movies. So one of the greatest baseball movies of all time, Field of Dreams, starring a very young Kevin Costner. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you are missing out. But basically, plot is, uh, guy's out in Iowa, hears a mysterious voice, tells him to build a baseball field, he builds a baseball field, Ghosts show up, play baseball, reconnects with his ghost dad, etc., etc., etc. Well, anyways, um, very big baseball movie, and Major League Baseball decided to have a quote-unquote Field of Dreams game uh, this this week. Whereas um, after after they did that movie, uh, they were going to tear down the baseball field and you know just return to a cornfield because they built out in the middle of Iowa in the cornfield. And then Kevin Costner convinced the producers, like, you know, you should keep this. This is, I think it's going to be something big. And it became a tourist attraction. People will come and see the Field of Dreams baseball field. And Major League Baseball decided to have a baseball game there. Now, they had to build a new field because the field they built for the movie wasn't exactly Major League Baseball regulation. But they built a field next to it, and they had a game uh, this week. And the introduction of the beginning of the game, uh, you know what, in terms of uh, presentation, very, very, very cool. So basically, it starts off, uh, this person's walking through a cornfield and comes out of the cornfield, and it's Kevin Costner! Kevin Costner has come out of the cornfield to this baseball game. Fans are roaring. He's kind of wandering out onto the field. And then behind him, the both the teams, uh, which is the Yankees and the White Sox, come out of the cornfield and take the field, and they're all wearing uh, uniforms from the 1920s and whatnot, and uh, it was a really nice uh, presentation, uh, and the ending uh, was pretty amazing, too. It was a walk-off home run by the White Sox, which is pretty, I mean, listen, pretty impressive, pretty impressive ending to a Field of Dreams game. Uh, they built stands, you can only see 8,000, it's not like the tens of thousands of like normal baseball stadiums. And uh, it was majorly, it was very, very well received. Now, this is 
what they consider to be a neutral site game because there's no home team, no visitors team and whatnot. They, that's, they do that. Now, I, I did some cursory research. I don't know if they're going to do this every year, but I think they should. I think they should do that every year, have a game there. And uh, I also, I mean, hear me out, friends. What's to say there shouldn't be like a game there once a month by some baseball team? I think every baseball team should have an opportunity to play there. And um, I think it's a really, really neat thing to do. And has to make money. I mean, I guess the more you do it, it might be less less of a, less of a, ooh, look at that. But, like, I think they should do it more than once a year. And they should definitely do it at least once a year. I think they should do it more than once a year because it's a pretty neat, pretty neat little stadium they built there. And apparently, apparently this has been under wraps for, like, 18 months. Like, they, uh, Kevin Costner said, like, the producer of the film who was involved with this, so they get all sort of the aesthetics right of it being filled with dreams was working on this for 18 months and didn't tell Kevin Costner because he was under a do not uh, a non-disclosure agreement and whatnot but uh, he was happy to participate uh, there and he stayed around for the entire game and shook hands and whatnot and it was a pretty neat thing Major League Baseball I'm not a huge baseball fan I casually follow it but uh, in terms of presentation and production value not too shabby not too shabby Speaking of movies, Sinworld, uh, which is a major theater operations, mostly in the United Kingdom, but has a few hundred theaters here in the United States, uh, posted a $209 million operating loss for the first half of the year, uh, still struggling to recover from COVID-19 pan pandemic, uh, found itself closed for most of the year last year, uh, still struggling to keep things open in the United Kingdom. Uh, but they remain bullish on uh, their uh, their uh, revenue going f in the future because of movie releases and things opening up again. Uh, the $200 million loss was much better than last year, where they lost over a billion dollars uh, due to theaters closing. Regal, AMC, uh, both of those major movie companies also suffering greatly. Uh, SimWorld, uh, however, did see an uptick in uh, stock trading uh, because of, uh, they call them meme stocks, where folks on Reddit and online have been buying up these stocks just to drive up the price to basically uh, bankrupt hedge funds. Uh, hedge funds bet against these stocks, drive them down, they make lots of money, and so these people online uh, target these stocks, buy a lot of them, drive up the prices, and make hedge funds lose sometimes tens of millions of dollars and whatnot. So, uh, I find that aspect of that very funny, uh, of folks trying to drive down the price of companies on the stock market so they can make money, only to have their tactics used against them. Uh, this caused a lot of issues with people with apps like Robinhood who saw this, got pressure from regulators, and then suddenly instead of buying, you know, 500 shares of a stock like Sinworld, you could buy one a day just to sort of, you know, prevent people from doing that. There were class action lawsuits. It was a whole, whole mess, uh, which doesn't impact me. I don't trade on the stock market. I only trade in whiskey, which is not a long-term investment, but a good investment any way you see it. But uh, Sinworld, 
Hopefully it'll rebound in the UK and the US here. Uh, I don't think there's any Sin World theaters near where I live. I don't know. I know there's Regal, there's AMC's near me, and a bunch of independent operators who've been hit really hard by this. Uh, so folks, if you are vaccinated and you feel comfortable and your community is in a bunch of slack-jawed yokels, support your local movie theaters. They need it much more than these conglomerates. Just saying. Just saying. Now, I'll tell you who's not a slack-jawed yokel. He is the creme de la creme of DJs. It's my pal DC, and he has a show here on AWSM Radio. DC, live in effect, Fridays at 9 p.m., Sundays at 10, 10 p.m. I'm not sure why people even go out anymore. They should be listening to this show here. You do not want to miss it, my friends. Well, he smashes it on the ones and twos, kicking it, kicking the beats from his South Florida compound every single week here on AWSM Radio. So you need to listen to him. DC, live in effect, Fridays at 9, Sundays at 10, right here on AWSM Radio. Next, friends, we go to one of my favorite subjects, cake. Mmm, so good. Well, how much would you pay for a slice of cake? Let me ask you this. 20 bucks? 30 bucks? How about $2,500? Yes, at an auction, a piece of cake sold for $2,500. You probably think to yourself, boy, it must be good. Boy, it must be made out of something so amazing that the, that would command the price. Um, it's rare. It's amazing. It's also 40 years old. Yes! Someone bought a 40-year-old piece of cake for $2,500. It is a slice of Princess Diana and Prince, Prince Charles wedding cake from 1980, 1981. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the auctioneer did not recommend eating it, but, uh, it is a, oh, I would say, about like a foot-by-foot foot piece of cake that weighs just about two pounds. Um, it, uh, features the royal coat of arms, uh, has the, um, uh, it's, it's a royal piece of wedding cake, so... Apparently, this piece was given to uh, somebody after the wedding. It was wrapped in cling, uh, cling wrap, put in a freezer, and it just pretty much stayed there for the last 38 years. And then after that person passed away, they went through her things and like, oh boy, this is a piece of a wedding cake. And it went to auction. Uh, came with a program, uh, a little note of authentication. I mean, you can't really test pieces of wedding cake to see if they're legit, but it's it seems to be seems to be wedding cake from Prince Charles and Princess Diana, who were married in St. Paul's Cathedral. I see in my notes here. On July 29th, 1981. So over I yeah, so over forty year an over forty year old piece of cake sold for twenty five hundred dollars. Uh it included the order of service program for the wedding ceremony, as well as a memorial uh, royal wedding breakfast menu and table seating program at Buckingham Palace and uh, someone will now have to make some room in their freezer for this 40 year old piece of cake hopefully unlike some other people I know the owner won't have a late night of uh, let's say imbibing and various 
elixirs of the gods, uh, get a case of the munchies, and eat a quarter, half piece of 40-year-old cake. I would imagine, just guessing, that, well, first, the freezer burn is probably terrible. And second, 40-year-old birthday cake on top of a stomach full of uh, booze will probably not mix well. I'm just, just guessing, just guessing. Probably will not mix well. But talk about a rare piece of history. Uh, piece of cake, $2,500. I guess if you're really a big fan of Princess Diana, dropping that money down for that uh, item probably is a uh, <clears throat> piece of cake. Boom! Best joke in the world. Staying in Europe, uh, the hottest temperature ever recorded in Europe occurred this week in Sicily, where the Sicilian uh, city of, what's the name, uh, Syracusa, had a temperature of 119.8 degrees Fahrenheit. That's not the heat, heat index, that is the actual temperature that was recorded in Sicily. Uh, it, uh, if confirmed by the World Meteorological Organization, it would be a record for Europe. The previous record was in Athens, Greece, 118 degrees in 1977. Um, but um, it's just a sort of formality to um, formality to uh, verify it. Uh, but um, it is the hottest. They have a hot, hot, hot weather. There is a anti-cyclone, which is a large storm churning over Europe that's pulling up heat from uh, the south into Europe for these increased for these increased temperatures in lower Italy and Europe overall. Uh, in Spain, the same storm has caused a a met, meteo tsunami, which is uh, basically they're experiencing some pretty bad coastal flooding because the winds are being pushing these waves up against uh, various Spanish resorts and they occasionally flood, but they've been experiencing a whole lot of flooding. Uh, in Spain, also along the uh, Black Sea, uh, in parts of Greece and Turkey, they're just experiencing a lot of flooding from these waves. They're being pushed up by this very strong cyclonic storm going up through Europe. Um, you know, it does happen from time to time, uh, but the meteorologists are saying that this is a bit more intense than usual. Uh, even in Venice this week, Venice, as you... Uh, we'll probably know as, you know, famous for its canals and, you know, the city is slowly sinking. Uh, they have a variety of anti-flooding measures. So they built a sort of big old berm out in the ocean to keep the waters up so it doesn't flood out the streets and ruin the tourist attractions. Well, Venice flooded this week because the flood defenses were not basically turned on because they were not expecting this amount of water. Usually, they're lowered to allow you know, ships and stuff to pass through, and then when they know a big storm is coming, they'll raise them up and give them a little bit extra protection. Uh, this surprised them, and there was some flooding in Venice, and you see these tourists walking around in ankle and knee-deep water visiting these stores and whatnot, and I mean, I don't like walking around wet socks. It just sounds miserable. But uh, this was a pretty big storm that caused a lot of problems, including hottest temperature ever recorded in Europe, uh, subject to verification, but it should be verified, 119.8 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, whew, that is, that is hot. That is hot. I mean, I think the hottest, uh, temperature I have ever experienced, 
that wasn't heat index was like 105, 108 when I went to Arizona. But this, oh, I can't, ugh, no thank you. No thank you. I'll take my air conditioning. Now we go to space. Well, Mars. Well, not Mars. NASA. Uh, NASA is looking for volunteers to uh, find out what it's like. They're going to live in a year-long simulation of what it would be like to live on Mars in a habitat at the Johnson Space Center in Texas. Uh, they're going to be moved into the Mars Dune Alpha. It is a, uh, they call it a star, not an architect, but a star tech design habitat touted to be, quote, the highest fidelity simulated habitat ever constructed, ever constructed on the Red Planet. So basically, they hired an architect to build a habitat that would be enjoyable for a group of people to live together for a long period of time with each other. You know, kind of like Big Brother, only on Mars. Uh, it is a 1,700 square foot uh, designed to uh, help astronauts overcome mental and physical challenges they would uh, they would encounter on Mars. Um, be supposed to be supportive and healthy, but also, unlike other habitats, not sacrifice aesthetics. Supposed to be pleasing to the eye. Okay, not like some sort of crampy dorm room, but kind of like, you know, like a little apartment. So basically, they're going to have four people there, four or so people there. Uh, everyone gets their own little room, sound like a common sleeping area. And then there's going to be two bathrooms on each end of the habitat, so they don't have to all share the same bathroom. And um, basically, they've taken um, data they've found from uh, submarines, Antarctic research stations, uh, even the International Space Station of like what people react well to, what people feel good about doing, and how they get along with others in confined space to design this habitat. Uh, it's also going to have a gym, uh, areas for lounging and working and relaxing, uh, a vegetable nursery, and uh, like a small little kitchen and whatnot. And um, there are going to be light uh, adjustments. Those lights are going up and down. Uh, to help people regulate their sleep. Uh, so it should be very, very interesting. Price yourself, well, hey, I would want to do this. Um, well, there, there, are a, there, are some, there are some qualifications to do this, okay? You have to be a U.S. citizen or permanent resident, okay? Between the ages of 30 and 55, okay? Possess a master's degree in a STEM field including engineering, biological science, physical science, computer science, or mathematics, or an accredited institution? Hmm. Have at least two years of related professional experience in a STEM field, or at least 1,000 hours uh, flying a jet aircraft? Hmm. Be able to pass NASA's long-duration flight astronaut physical. So, I feel like I don't have that area <laughs> of expertise. Uh, the master's degrees requirement can also be met by uh, two years of work towards a doctoral program in science, technology, engineering, or math, uh, a completed doctorate of medicine or orthopedic medicine degree, and then uh, or a completion of a nationally recognized test pilot school program. So um, I meet the first two requirements, three, four, five, uh, Maybe not. Maybe not. But if you're out there and would like to give it a whirl, 
I highly encourage it. To give it, give it a whirl. Now, finally, the other neat thing about this habitat is that it is built using 3D printing technology. So, basically, it's printed in these large plastic uh, printers and whatnot. And um, they think it's a viable way to build things on Mars is just to send these big printers up there with the material to print out the, these parts and then they can put it together. Uh, it was also, finally, it was designed, it was designed by a Danish architect uh, known for his bombastic design solutions and uh, basically he is the go-to design visionary for building living ecosystems on a scorching hot planet without breathable, or por breathable air or portable water. And um, also, this uh, gentleman is working on solutions in a simulation of a Martian city on the deserts of Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. So, very, very interesting. If there is an update that pops up about this, I, my friends, will certainly let you know. And if you end up being selected, you should let me know, too, so I can interview you. Speaking of out of this world, you need to listen to my friends, The Rock Sessions, hosted by my fantastic, beautiful pal, Rocks. It is our drive time show here on AWSM Radio, and she's going to make sure your evening commute home is fun, featuring the hottest music on the charts and some other surprises in between. She will make it rock, rock style, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., right here on AWSM Radio. We now go back to space and India once again, well, where this week, unfortunately, uh, they launched a rocket that did not carry a satellite out into space. It uh, crashed about five minutes after liftoff from the Indian Space Research Organization, the ISRO. Uh, it has uh, had some real trouble in the last year and a half uh, with its uh, space program because of COVID-19. Some technical failures, and this is just one of another failure that happened. Uh, it was supposed to launch a uh, geosynchronous satellite launch vehicle, which is basically, if you don't know, geosynchronous means it goes around the Earth, but it stays in one spot, so it's always hovering over a part of the world. And it was launched from the Satish Dhawan Space Center along India's east coast. It was supposed to be in March of last year, but technical glitches stopped it. And then another wave of COVID-19 kind of put some uh, stress on the personnel there, so they had to wait further with it. And uh, it uh, the first two stages of this uh, rocket was successful, but the third stage experienced a failure, and um, it uh, did not get into orbit. Uh, now, the satellite was supposed to be carrying... The satellite being launched in space was supposed to have uh, almost real-time imaging of a large area uh, with frequent intervals. Uh, so basically used to monitor natural disasters, uh, regional events, and uh, help with uh, forestry, forestry, agriculture industries, and monitor bodies of water. So they will have to try that again with another satellite. Uh, this is however the first failure in the last 16 consecutive successful launches of uh, this space of a, of a rocket in India. And, uh, however, this is the fourth time this particular type of rocket, the GSLV, has failed since 2010. So it doesn't have a, a spotless record, as it were. But, uh, 
they'll probably figure out what did what went wrong, put together another satellite, and get that up soon. Uh, fortunately, uh, no one was hurt in the failure of the rocket. Uh, if you go on to YouTube, there's a lot of rocket failure videos out there. Uh, the most recent one here near me of note was one, two, two or three years ago, where people were watching this rocket launch from Virginia, and it goes up about, oh, 100 feet in the air, something goes poof, comes back down, and just explodes, explodes. Uh, a boom that could be heard, I think, five, ten miles away. It was that loud of an explosion. And it's funny, because people are watching from like three or five miles out, and they see what happens, but the sound, there's a delay, kind of like lightning and thunder. So they see this rocket go up, they come down, and then you see a big flash, and you hear the sound of a brrrr, pop, boom. And it's like a shockwave of sound, just like frightened everyone. So I highly recommend you check it out. It's quite a video. But no one was hurt in this one, so they will probably give it another shot sometime later this year. We now go back to sports where Leo Messi, also known as Lionel Messi, uh, famous soccer player from Argentina, uh, Argentine playing for Barcelona, has now left and signed a contract with a new team uh, coming to Paris Saint-Germain, also PSG for short, being paid 25 to $35 million for the next two years with the option of doing a third year. Uh, but a part of his salary is going to be paid in cryptocurrency. Yes, cryptocurrency. Now, he isn't the first athlete to ask for this. Uh, there's some NFL players who have asked for cryptocurrency, but he's the first the sort of big main mainstay athlete who has done it. Like, he's very big in the whole world of soccer. Messy here. And um, he's being paid in PSG fan tokens, which are being traded on cryptocurrency. Uh, it gives people who own these uh, tokens... Uh, some some rights, some ownership, and some voting rights to certain aspects of the team. Uh, they can vote on naming the year's best goal, who wins the end-year team award, and what motivational message is painted on the dressing room wall every year, among other things. Um, so that's interesting. I mean, I don't it doesn't say how much he's being paid, but a good chunk of his salary apparently is being paid in cryptocurrency. Now, Cryptocurrency is dangerous. It's the wild west of finance. Like if you lose, it's basically holding. It's basically holding cash or like like property. Like if you lose fifty dollars, there's no getting that back. It's gone. And much like with cryptocurrency, if you have it on the computer or a USB stick, if you lose it or someone hacks it and steals it, then it's gone. That's all she wrote. Bye bye. Um, <laughs> in fact, recently a, a cryptocurrency company had $600 million worth of cryptocurrency stolen from them. Or $600 billion, I don't know. A ridiculous amount of money was stolen from them, and they don't know how to get it back. So, hopefully, Messi here has some smart folks that knows how to deal with that, um, and uh, we'll be able to protect that. Now, it is, now, the, currency, the cryptocurrency is... Like I said, it, it's a commodity. So what it's worth today may be worth different than it will be later. Uh, Ten years ago, you could buy a Bitcoin for $35. Today, it's, I think, north of $20,000. So, you know, if you got paid five uh, Bitcoins in 2010, you were, you know, they gave you, that was like 40 bucks. Today, 
that might be $100,000. Same thing, he might get paid in $10, $10 million of cryptocurrency. If the markets crash, it might only be worth, you know, pennies on the dollar. So that's another danger with cryptocurrency also. Uh, from a tax perspective, it's also very, very tricky. Like, if you were to pay your pal Colt Sebastian Taylor $10 million in cryptocurrency for the fantastic show that he does, and I do do a fantastic show, I would have to pay taxes on that cryptocurrency um, when I got paid. So it would be as, like, income. Then, when I sold that cryptocurrency, because that's how people make money off it, they hold it and they sell it, I have to pay capital gains tax on it, either short-term or long-term capital gains tax on those. So, basically, I'd be taxed twice on that if uh, on that stuff. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind, that that cryptocurrency is worth exactly the same amount when I got it, there's no taxes. If, I, if it lost value and I sold it, I could take a deduction. If it got much, much higher, I would have to pay a tax on that. So, it is immensely complicated. And I highly recommend that you consult a financial advisor and a web security expert before you even so dip your toe in this because it is, you could, you, could, you could lose a lot of money. It's like playing the stock market only with things that you can never physically hold. It's, in, it's intangible. It is only online. It's a digital currency. So, but anyways, Messi, he's now kicking, he's now kicking goals for uh, uh, Paris Saint-Germain and will be filling up his bank account with PSG tokens and cash. So, good luck to you there, Bessie. Be sure your password isn't 12345. That's the same password on a lot of luggage. Speaking of sports, my friends, you need to listen to AWSM Radio's new sports show, Married to the Game. It broadcasts every Wednesday at 9 p.m. You will want to join... Uh, Brian, Joe, Mac Daddy, as they bring their insights, their analytics, and expertise to all things games to the table. And what kind of sports show would it be without some trash talking? Well, trash talking in between. They might even talk about cryptocurrency too. I mean, it's big news, big money, big news, big cryptocurrency, soccer. I'm sure they'll cover it. Tune in to catch up on all the week stuff, all the stuff that happened this week involving sports. Follow them on Instagram. Joe at Turn Up the Jets, Nick at Mac Daddy Ryan Show, Brian at Bolstered underscore Up underscore Sports, and of course the show itself, Made to the Game, MTTG Radio, all on Instagram. Tell them that Colt Sebastian Taylor sent you. Catch up on all things sports. Married to the Game, Wednesday 9 p.m. right here on AWSM Radio. We now go to the United Kingdom where there is an effort to spare an alpaca. Named Dromino, 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 uh, from being euthanized. Apparently, uh, he is uh, has tested positive for bovine tuberculosis, which is very uh, contagious, I guess, amongst bovines, and and um, he is uh, going to be destroyed because they can't let that infect other livestock. Uh, his owner, Helen McDonald, says the testing is flawed and her animal is healthy. Uh, the animal has been kept in isolation since 2017. Uh, there have been a few positive tests, but her owner insists that it is false positive positives and that um, the um, uh, test being used is not very is not very good. And she wants to use a different test with has much more improved sensitivity. 
So, so uh, what they what they want to do um, is to move this animal to a research facility to be to be researched to see uh, what's going on with this these positive tests to save it so that it isn't destroyed. Uh, this is being pushed by the British Alpaca Society, which I did not know exist. Um, they're accusing the government of not wanting to learn what is going on. Okay. Um, okay. They say that uh, for years, the test on Geromino is healthy, uh, as are the alpacas have been sharing his padlock. Uh, indeed, the alpacas have traveled to New Zealand uh, with Geromino on the same or contagious crates. None of the other alpacas have tested positive. So they're saying that uh, this alpaca, Geromino, 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 uh, is is healthy. So there is a petition. There's being money being raised for it. Uh, she wants to keep her alpaca, but instead of the alpaca being destroyed, being transferred to a university for research would be the next best thing. So I'll try to keep an eye on this and see if this alpaca survives. Uh, it's quite the tussle, apparently, in the courts, what to do with this animal and whatnot. So uh, hopefully they get an accurate test and find out one way or another whether this animal is carrying a contagious disease or not. Finally, folks, Jeopardy! has selected its new host. As you know, the great Alex Trebek died last year in 2020 after a long battle with pancreatic cancer. And they went on to a whole bunch of different guest hosts while they're trying to select a new host. And they have selected for the uh, main host of Jeopardy! to be Mike Richards. Uh, while uh, Mahim Balik uh, of Blossom and Big Bang Theory fame uh, will be doing some franchise spin-off shows uh, Sony Pictures announced this week. Um, I think they're okay selections. I mean, Mike Richards apparently is the executive producer, uh, so he kind of was in charge of finding someone to take over, and he, I guess, picked himself? I guess there probably be, there's a larger decision-making body there. Uh, you know who I think should have been the host? LeVar Burton, Reading Rainbow, Jordy LaForge. I think he did a fine job. And he's so big with, you know, learning and reading and education that I think he would have been a delightful choice. But no one listens to me, and I wasn't even considered to be a guest host. I would have been fantastic, I think. Well, friends, that just about wraps up this week's Saturday Report with me. Colt Sebastian Taylor, thank you so much for joining me here today. Remember, you can find me on the Twitter, on the Rizzle, on the Instagram, and on the cameo at Colt S. Taylor. Please feel free to engage with me on there if you think there's a story I missed and want me to check back on something, or just say how fantastic I am. I, I, I like the attention, regardless. And if you haven't already, bookmark ColtSebastianTaylor.com to be up to date with all of my adventures. And finally, if you find yourself unable to get here on the weekend to listen to my show, it's okay. We have busy lives. Shame on you, but you'll come around. Subscribe to this show, which I upload to anchor.fm slash ColtSTaylor, and you can listen to it every single week on your podcast player program of choice, however that works. So go there also. So, until next time, my friends, I am, of course, as always, your friend, Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later.